exalt, empower, embrace. This is the Park Street Family Ministry Podcast. Hi everyone, welcome to episode 27 of the Park Street Family Ministry Podcast. My name is Adam Herndon, thanks for joining me today. Uh, In today's podcast, we have a very special interview with the one and only Chris Perkins. Chris has been a pastor at Park Street Church for over 20 years, Um, and up until the last three or four years, he served as the family minister of Park Street Church, the actual uh, first dedicated um, person hired in order to oversee family ministry. So what I'm saying is that Chris is the OG uh, family uh, minister at Park Street Church, and we have a really great interview, which I'm excited to share with you in just a few moments. Um, but uh, because I have my interview with him, we'll cover um, towards the end of it a little bit about how he and Laura have handled social media and technology and how they're thinking about it. Um, we won't get into that in our podcast today, so I was going to talk a little bit about a culture of performance and stress um, in the lives of adolescents and how that influences social media use. Um, but I will leave you on the edge of your seats, and we will get into that topic a little more next time. Um, so without further ado, here is my interview with Chris Perkins. Welcome, Chris. Thank you so much for joining me on the podcast hey, today. Adam. Um, so uh, we may have some new families who haven't actually got to meet you and your family um, since you moved out of the family ministry role. Uh, would you share a little bit about your family? Sure is. Thanks, Adam, for having me. It's great to be here. Great to be in your office. If you ever get a chance to go to Adam's office, you have to see the Red Sox bobbleheads on his shelf. It's an amazing collection. But anyway, my kids uh, and wife, uh, Laura and I have been married now for, oh my goodness, is it 28 years? Somewhere around there, 27, 28. (laughs) April's coming up, so I would have to take a second to count. And uh, we have four children. Uh, we have Amanda, who is 23, uh, 23, yes, 23, and Isaiah is just turned 21, and Josiah is about to turn 18. Then we had this wonderful gift <laughs> brought to us in this package named Tabitha, and uh, so we go from 18 all the way down to 8. And uh, yeah, love them all. Lots of fun. Um, and we've been at Park Street since Amanda, our oldest, was six years, I mean, six months old. Great. Yeah. Well, I know uh, one little boy um, who is very excited about Tabitha's coming along, and they've been uh, best friends ever since. Best so. buddies for sure. Yeah, so my oldest son, Levi, is uh, only a couple weeks younger than Tabitha, and I believe they were even born in the same hospital and have been best friends ever since. So I know he is very glad that she came along. Um, but I've also had the privilege of when, uh, when I was uh, the youth director of, the, of Park Street to have Amanda and um, Isaiah and now currently Josiah in his last in his senior year, his last year. Um, and one of the things that I've always in, uh, enjoyed about your kids is that they, um, the, their commitment to their faith, and they have, um, 
been faithful followers of Jesus. And what do you think have been some of the major contributing factors to your kids uh, walking so faithfully <laughs> with the Lord? Oh, goodness. Well, you know, we, we actually had, uh, Laura and I went out to dinner last week, and uh, we were talking about our kids, and and we actually got a little misty. You know, Laura, Laura said, what did we do to deserve such great kids? Uh, be, because, you know, it, I mean, they have their thoughts, they have, you know, they're, they're kids like any other kids, but we're just so thankful and love them so much. And, and Laura was saying, you know, and, and actually what you just asked me, Adam, she said, you know, sometimes people ask me, like, what, what did you do to um, help your kids become who they are? And she and I both kind of just shrug our shoulders, <laughs> like, mm-hmm. I don't know, what did, what did we do that, you know, we, um, but a few things I, I would throw out at you is, um, you know, I think we just filled our home with a lot of love. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was, we, we loved them. Um, we had fun with them as they grew up. Um, I, I think, you know, you, God gives us two institutions that are weaved into the creative order to help children know who he is. Uh, one is the role of parent, um, God is father, and the other is uh, Jesus as groom and the church as the, uh, the bride. And, and those two institutions, marriage and parenting, really are uh, are the main means i think children come to know who god is and and so the way in which we live out our marriage with our spouse and the way that we simply interact and pour into our kids uh if we're filling our house with love i think our there's a contagious uh, aspect to that that uh, kids catch on with oh okay this is the way God loves me and that's a love I want and and so you know I both both Laura and I are affectionate with each other in our marriage we uh, I, in I purposely in front of the kids I I say nice things about my wife and mm-hmm. you know tell her how cute she is and and you know, I, and and that kind of affection and love for my my wife, when our kids see that, I, I think they get a sense again that okay, this is this is the way that God loves us. And then again, when you pour into your your children and you're generous with them, you're encouraging words of of um, uh, of, of kindness and. Uh, affirmation the I think the example that both Laura and I are as parents to our kids also is is a way in which they have you know come to know who who he is so that that's one thing I'd say a, a second thing is I think we've always 
we're very committed to making sure our kids are in a are are saturated with the community of faith mm-hmm. that they are in every aspect where they can see again lots of love being lived out as as a church together uh, brothers and sisters in Christ um, so the Friday nights that we used to do at Park Street we're always in for that uh, all the events family camps kids week uh, our kids were always involved in those um, but then outside of just the sort of the event nature and the, the, the formal gatherings of our church community uh, we we tried to have a, a group of friends the laymans the uh, Snells, others, where and you know at this point you guys as well with with Tabitha's age, but you know a, a group of people who our our kids and the parents are friends with and the kids are friends with and and in that that saturation of faith and life together and love um, that becomes a part of who who your kids are. Um, and, and it's joyful and it's what life is about. And, and through that, I think they, they come to faith. Um, yeah. Cause at that point, they're not only just seeing you guys model it in the home, but they're seeing other adults and other families who, who are modeling the yeah. same, the same thing as well, modeling the same yeah. love, which is yeah really important. But, but you do, you do need to, you, you need to be thoughtful. Are, are they hearing who Jesus is as well? You know, mm-hmm. you never assume someone's going to come to know who the Lord is just, just by kindness. Right. <laughs> I mean, you, and, and so that, again, I think in, in the Park Street context with the vibrancy that uh, you have brought about, you know, in, in family ministry with, you know, Stephanie and, and Christina, Emma, and and others, um, you need to make sure your kids and we we always made sure our kids are hearing good news mm-hmm. um, that they're in a, a place where uh, that love is present, but it's matched by the proclamation of the gospel and and not just um, biblical teaching, but life uh, testimony as well. And and I think as parents, you you also need. To share your faith with your kids, and mm-hmm. but it doesn't, it doesn't always have to be. You know, they're sitting on the couch, and he, let me tell you who Jesus is. Th- that's good. We we would, um, you know, buy resources and read stories and, and like that with our kids one on one. But but for you know, for me, it was particularly easy to share what Jesus had done in my life as a pastor because there's i'm doing that publicly a lot um mm-hmm. from the pulpit um but even more when when i served as a family minister we spent uh you know i was leading my kids in groups youth groups and children's groups laura always was committed to um, teaching uh our uh, you know Isaiah's class, and well, I guess it was Josiah's class and Commands class. I'm not sure if she did, she taught Isaiah's class or not, but but uh, suffice it to say, in we as p- 
parents were involved in our kids' classes, and and in those contexts, we're teaching, we're sharing stories from our own life as well, and and you know again for, as a pastor, it's it's it just comes naturally because I'm I'm in those roles, but but I think any parent should realize your kids soak in your life testimony as you're serving in in these ministry contexts. I guess one other thing I'd say is just resources. Um, uh, well, actually, let, let me go. Let me go back to the the community aspect because schooling was also important for us. Uh, we homeschooled for a while, and and that was a, a wonderful gift of of having the kids in our house, um, and then developing relationships with other homeschool families and going on, out on outings like that. Um, and we shifted over to Christian schooling, uh, to Park Street School and Boston Trinity Academy. Um, and, and that was just another aspect. You know, your kids are, the school, the time in school is so significant. They're spending seven hours six seven eight hours a day in school and and uh and, and so both the homeschooling platform and the christian schooling platform just created another aspect of community in which we were able to um, layer our lives I, i'm a big advocate for um, overlapping life as much as possible. And when, you know, it's, we, we lived at the church at number three Park Street, so we couldn't have overlapped life more than we did. We lived here, our kids went to school here, this was our church, you know, community. And, and all of that was, uh, it, it, as much as you can overlap relationship between the, Christ, the Christians who are in your life and the rest of your standard um, you know, lifetime of, of work, of schooling, of recreation, the more you get to see your church family uh, in all of those contexts, the, the more likely that, um, again, I think your children are drawn into this, this is what life is about. This isn't just the religious thing. This isn't just the church thing. We live our lives out, you know, and and that's not to say that public school is a wrong uh, choice. I both Laura and I did, you know, grew up in public mm -hmm. school, and we came to faith, and and I had wonderful friends who are Christians in that that context, and youth, many youth ministries, Young Life, and and specific churches can have wonderful impact on public schools. But but nevertheless, I, I think whether it's at the public school, even college level. You, if you're not in that Christian school environment, I think you do need to be thoughtful about, well, how is Jesus um, interacting uh, or, or where's the testimony, where's the example that my kids can lean into if they're in a public school setting as as much of a, you know, a private mm -hmm. school? Yeah, no, I like that idea of, of layering it and, and that way you know, church isn't just like a thing you, you, your kids come do on Sunday, but it's like you said, it's life. It's, it's, it's all around them all the time. And so yeah, I think that's really good for parents to think about, like how, how are we layering our life in a way that, um, you know, that, 
we're we're just always living out the gospel, right? It's just yeah. who we are. It's life. Well, it it's strange. There's some pastors have this, I think, peculiar view of well, you know, I have my private life and I have mm-hmm. my public ministry life, and I've got to keep my private life separate from my public ministry. Um, and and there's good reason some will advocate for that. Um, because yeah, there, you need to be recharged and have the opportunity to, you know, just have sort of a safe space to you know pour into your your family and to yourself really. But I, I've never really embraced that. I actually strongly lean the other way. Um, mm-hmm. I, I think we, um as pastors we are supposed to set an example in our lives and and that means you know you can't set an example unless people see you and know what your personal life is like and so you know we're big advocates for having lots of people over to our house and having barbecues and soup nights and worship times and i mean we try to use our house as much as possible to invite the congregation to be a part of that. And uh, and what the wonderful thing of that is, is that our kids always love that. They loved mm-hmm. having the whole church as a part of our home and our life together. They love having big meals outside and parties. And um, and and so, yeah, the, that, that sense of it's not just the church thing. This is the life we live out together as the community of faith. So have there, have, have there been some regular spiritual rhythms or practices that your family has had? Uh, well, so yeah, we, we are not a well-disciplined oiled machine when it comes to rhythmic living um, we, and it's a, probably a more of a personality thing. Um, and, and I know that, uh, there's a lot of benefit to structure and organization. Um, but really does, I would probably say, no, there's not a whole lot of rhythm to, um, you know, like we have a family devotion once a week mm-hmm. or we, uh, you know, during a, a particular season, we do this ritual or that ritual uh, to drive home um, significant faith realities. Um, having said that, uh, like one of the things we love to do at Christmas time, we have, uh, I, I don't know if you've ever seen there, there's this like uh, Advent book ornaments that, uh, go through 25 days. They're like little teeny books that you can hang on your tree. They're about three pages a piece, more like cardboard pages, very attractive, but they tell the, they tell the whole story and you're supposed to take uh, each one of those and read one and it leads you all the way to Christmas. And so for a number of years, we would do that leading up to Christmas. <laughs> and then uh, uh, the probably the past six, seven eight years we just wait until christmas morning and we read them all (laughs) we hang them on the tree 
Um, of course, we all you know, prayer before meals, prayer at times of of hardship, um, you know, for each other. Um, when my kids uh, in their younger years, uh, I would do like a catechism and or I'd, I would work through helping them memorize the Lord's Prayer or the Apostles' Creed. And, and then we would learn a little piece of it. And I'd say, OK, ask me a question about it. And they would come up with some kind of question to ask. Um, and so I think those are some examples that I could throw out of, uh, incorporating aspects of, of, um, uh, corporate practices within our home. Um, we, we also, I would say are, we try to be resource rich at home with fun books about faith issues. Uh, as our kids are older, I'm buying them books and sending them uh, to them at college. Um, and uh, and again, uh, other resources are like, hey, let's get them to camp. Um, let's, you know, so it, it's more of here's, uh, here's a lot of resource for you to, uh, to know who Jesus is. But our personality really isn't a super structured, you know, here's a way, let's do these things. And now we've shared Jesus with them. Um, it, it's more of that life immersion, um, community-based uh, um, ex life example of, of what it means to, to follow Jesus. And Again, that, and that's why we kind of shrug our shoulders because mm -hmm. I know, I mean, you know, we, we read uh, Shepherding the Child's Heart by Ted Tripp and you know, Spiritual Windows by, I can't remember who wrote that, or Robbie Castleman's How to Parent in the Pews. And, you know, all, we read mm -hmm. all the books and I know people are looking for, oh, if we, here's something good to do to help our kids come to know Jesus. But it, I don't think it's really rhythm and practice are good but it's in my opinion it's authenticity mm -hmm. and a love for Jesus that is palpable that becomes contagious and infectious in the best sense of the term a mm -hmm. pandemic of faith <laughs> <laughs> yeah I would characterize it maybe as like a life of intentional hospitality yeah of Christian hospitality um, have, have there been any other, I mean, you've touched on a bunch with just thinking about, I know, um, having, being really intentional with the love you share between your, your, and your family and in the church. Um, have there been any other kind of commitments that you and Laura have made, um, around your, around your family as it relates to their spiritual life? I think we also think about who they are individually um, where their giftings lie, and we try to pour ourselves into that. And again, I, this doesn't sound like, you know, faith, okay, how do they come to Jesus? But this is, who, who are they as a person? And, um, and, and not making them the person you want them to be, but the person that they are, and God has 
shape them to be and then helping them to so like when amanda was younger she loved rocks uh she loved <laughs> collecting so you know we were buying rocks and going on rock hunts and 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 then you know josiah um and actually, I say with Amanda later, she became just a lover of reading. And so we would provide both, you know, just fictional books, but but also faith-oriented books. And, and uh, you know, for Josiah, he's been an athlete. And, and so we've poured ourselves into um, opportunities for him to, to grow in, in that capacity. Isaiah has been a performer. And so, you know, every... He has lots of guitars on the wall that uh, he uses, and music equipment, and 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 then you you see these these um, aspects of who they are begin to um, be integrated with their faith, you know. And uh, so, it, for Josiah as an athlete, he's at Boston Trinity Academy, and and he's now the ath- athletic prefect. For that which kind of helps with with the um uh athletic director and developing sports but it's all you know he's very serious about the faith aspect of that and and helping teams to honor god and be committed to prayer and living out this sports life with integrity before the lord and and then for amanda you know when she was um, had a great this heart for reading and and led into theology and so you know she's taking classes at Gordon Conwell now and she's doing ministry on campuses with students and 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 so so that's a, a commitment that you know to to uh, identify the the person that our kids are and and pour into them so that the, that person becomes a, a, a faith-shaped person in, with those giftings. Good. So one of the things you mentioned was that, you know, Josiah is, you know, um, an athlete. You know, he's been on travel teams and things like that. And, um, you know, our teens today have lots – I mean, uh, even outside of travel sports, there's lots of commitments that kids can have that can interfere with things like Sunday worship and being able to go to youth group. How have you guys as a family walked through and balanced um, his commitments to his teams and also your faith commitment? Yeah, yeah, it, it is pretty hard. And um, we are you know, generally thankful that for many years um, most sports were not Sunday-oriented sports because Sunday was a day that we were uh, within the church context. Um, but in later years, there was a lot of Sunday commitments, and, and it was a difficult decision on how to navigate that. And thankfully, uh, Park Street has a, a broad, many ways to plug in to and be connected. And so um, there was one point where he had games on Sunday morning, but thankfully there was a four o'clock service. So we were able to shift to the four o'clock uh, worship time. Um, but having said that, there are a couple of times during the summers where his um, the expectations were most significant. We'd go away on tournaments like to Atlanta or New Jersey or, or wherever. 
um, where it, it was causing conflict with uh, bigger opportunities, mission trips and things like that. Mm -hmm. And um, and we had, Josiah and I had a real heart-to-heart -heart talk about that um, and really prompted by his desire. And he said, I don't want to miss these um, these important um, faith opportunities. And, uh, and so this last year, uh, we, we really said no to some, some practices and even games, um, to say, nope, he's going to go on the retreat rather than going, uh, to a game. And, uh, and I was really impressed, uh, by his sincere desire to, to put Christ first uh, before sports. It's because that's not easy to do. Um, and he loves both and he wants to do well at both. But uh, for him, you know, I guess the, the payoff to many years of everything we just spoke about earlier about helping a, a, your children's identity to be found um, first within the community. And then that leads to a, a personal faith commitment and and you know he had to make a choice and he was making a choice last year that Jesus was going to come first mm -hmm. um, so you know I, I I don't think I don't think it's sinful to play baseball on a Sunday and uh, it's okay to miss going to worship if there's a, a short season you know six, eight, ten weeks where it just has to be. You find other ways to, to worship the Lord and, and lean into your faith. Um, but uh, but still, you know, you still, it's good sometimes to say no to sports and say yes to Jesus. And really sometimes school does the same thing. You know, sometimes mm -hmm. it's good to say, you know what? No, we're not going to go to school for that. We're going to do the church thing or even even family thing. Sometimes it's good to say, no, we can take a few days off of school because our family is more important than school. Mm. Um so anyway, there's some thoughts. Yeah, I can't remember who it was. Um but I had uh one family I knew used to give their kids uh mental health days <laughs> and they were they could use them like a sick, you know, like uh, a personal day at work. They yes. could like say I, I I need a day off from school today and if they did that they would like try to go do something like yeah. let them sleep in and then try to go like do something as a family or something like that. I always thought that was a a cool practice. I, I think that's a great idea. Um well, great, Chris. Well, thanks for sharing all that. And so I've been doing or going through a series on technology and really with an emphasis on um, social media. And so I was wondering if you could share a little bit about uh, kind of what your guys' approach has been to it. Um, and 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 also, actually, I just had kind of had another thought is, do you think your approach with Tabitha will be different than what you've done with um, your older three because um, Amanda was born before the iPhone was even around. Yes, yeah. I believe that uh, that was like around 2004 when that came out. Yep. Um, so kind of what have your been commitments, what have your commitments been or thoughts around it? And then do you see those changing with Tabitha kind of growing up in a more yeah. social media saturated culture? Yeah, well, it's screens have always been around since the 
40s or 30s or whatever and mm. everyone's attracted to screens and how how many hours and days did i spend watching cartoons after school on a tv um and and so um whether for good or for ill uh it it just is a part of our lives um and there is a lot of a wonderful entertainment and um, engaging content, whether it's on TV or on screens, and so you 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 know on, on your phone or iPads or computers. Uh, so the first thing is don't throw it all out as oh gosh you know we have to keep our kids away from this. Um, because it's all bad because it's not all bad and um so for uh, as each of our kids have gone have grown up we have realized yes the young that the every kid that comes along we become more lax than the mm -hmm. previous kid. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so so and, and they they end up on screens at an earlier age than uh, the the last and, uh, and and again and just like I was talking about with public school, Laura and I ended up coming to faith and love Jesus and live for Him. It's same thing with screens. It's not like you know if your kids are on screens, uh oh, it's all you know it. They're, they're just a thing. Um, but having said that, you know, the two, the two things that are of greatest concern is the amount of time that you're on the screen. And yes, indeed, there is content that is destructive and hurtful. And how do you, how do you tackle that? Um, and the, the time issue We've always taken that seriously for younger kids. You know, Tabitha right now, uh, she's not allowed to be on a screen um, all morning, uh, all afternoon until after four o'clock, and then just for a short period of time, um, she'll watch shows, and which is kind of like what we did as a kid. We would mm -hmm. not be on screens and then we come home after school and watch Fred Flint, you know, Fred Flintstone or right. uh, the Jetsons or whatever. Well, at least that's my generation. Mm -hmm. You're probably Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles or something. The original. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, so yeah, there is, there is uh, restriction in terms of time for, for younger kids, um, high school kids, um, not so much there's we we've entrusted okay you're old enough to decide how much you should be on this and so much communication is done now through texting and communication with friends and things like that um and, and uh instagram and and all that it, it is a it is social and we do want social we want our kids connected with each other with other friends um and 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 the city in particular is it's harder here than what i remember growing up um i could jump on my bike and just go hang out with my friends mm -hmm. uh 
we're always hanging out with our friends. And it's, if, if you're not driving, which most of our teenagers aren't up until, you know, 18, you just cannot easily hang out with friends. Um, because most of the private schools, kids are coming from everywhere, and even even the public schools have that same kind of feel. Yeah, in Boston I mean, for sure. Yeah, they can be bused from all over the yeah, city. Yeah, yeah. So, so again, affirm what's good and that social connection. And right now, with the the pandemic issues and staying at home, lockdowns and things like that, it's been even more important um, way. Uh, to be able to relationally connect. Anyway, so, you know, we've been more lenient in regard to time on devices, though even with um, with Josiah, you know, Isaiah now is in college and I'm in college. So even with, with Josiah, um, we still offer counsel, hey, maybe you should put that down and get your work done or... Um, and in his earlier teen years, there there was some time where saying, "Hey, after this time, you can't be on that, and you just need to get to bed," mm-hmm. um, because it's it is um, um, addictive, uh, where you just keep on going and going and can't stop. So, so I do think it's good to have time constraints. It's appropriate, um, and so, but the content side of it like well, how do you protect your kids uh, from bad content and you got to be honest you're not going to be able to mm-hmm. you just if unless if you if you don't you can try to keep it all away from you know no phones no computers and whatever until you're winner but there's just reality is teenagers are going to explore and uh, and that's super scary mm-hmm. um, because th- there's just, you, you know, they're going, they're just going to. So we, we did put on um, some parental controls on YouTube and, you know, porn things and, you know, on, on computers that um, would be accessed. Um and I think that's a good thing to do, and it's good to let them know, hey, we did this, um, just so you know. And most of those things will give you reports if mm-hmm. you know if a kid tries to. So we we did that, um, but again, if they are inquisitive, they're going to find a way around all that and and take dives into things that are really unsettling. Um, and, and so, yeah, I, I had talks and said, Hey, you know, I know at this point in your life, these things are going to be, um, um, wooing you into it. And I want you to know that it's destructive. It's going to be hurtful and it's going to be hard to say no to this stuff, but, um, it, in the end, it'll, it'll destroy you. And, and so you, you, you got to put that word in to your kid's head, dad saying this to them. Yeah. Um, so that as they do, because again, they're going to somehow, some way, they hear that voice of, I, I know 
that the person I respect knows this is going to be destructive for me. And, and a battle begins to take place and is waged in, in your kid's heart. And that's where you hope that all of the other stuff we talked about, all of the love, all of the example, all of the confession of faith in Christ at, at a younger age and all that ends up winning that battle. Mm. And the kid finally says, no, I, that's just not me. I, I, I looked at it and that is not me. I don't want that in my life. Um, that's something they are going to have to face mm -hmm. and you can't protect them as a parent. Right. You, you have to pray. You have to, you know, get on your hands and knees, Lord, save them from that crap. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I was uh, looking the other day and I think right now the, like the average age that um, kids can be exposed to pornographic images is around 11 um, and the, yeah, the scary thing is that it, they, they don't even have to go looking for it. It will come looking for them. Yeah. Yeah. And so I think, you know, uh, that's why, you know, having open conversations and in faith and life being like a regular conversation in the home is so important because it makes those conversations not feel out of place or awkward or, you know, it's just kind of we share life together and we yes. talk about life together. And I think that, that goes a long way in helping um, make sure our kids are prepared for um, when those things come looking for them. Yeah. Well, thank you, Chris, so much for joining me today and sharing a little bit about your family. Ed. Hey, thanks, Adam, for having me. Really appreciate it. I appreciate you and, and you know, the other leaders and teachers who've poured their lives into our kids because it's really made a significant difference. Bless you. That was my interview with Chris Perkins. I hope that you enjoyed it. Uh, Chris is one of the most faithful followers of Jesus that I know. He is a model of Jesus, and I have been blessed to have him uh, in my life these uh, last eight and a half years. He's been a wonderful mentor and friend. I hope you found things in there uh, to think about and uh, maybe some suggestions or things you would want to start incorporating into your family uh, with the end goal of uh, walking with Jesus closer as a family and your kids uh, growing up and maturing in their faith. So next month, we will get uh, back into kind of the adolescent culture and how that impacts their use and views of social media. And we will pick up with talking about the culture of performance and stress that our adolescents are growing up in. So I hope to have you back with me next time.